athletes and friends, welcome to the Woven Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Nick, and this is my co-host. What's up, everyone? It's Stevie. And we are here to champion the athlete's mental game before, during, and after their athletic careers and performances. So let's jump in. We are in episode three today, Stevie. How do you feel about that? I'm stoked. This has been so fun. It has been been a lot of fun. And today we got to have even more fun because we brought in another pro to jump into our series of I think I can or I can't managing healthy and unhealthy expectations as an athlete. The pro today is Rylan Shattig. Uh, He's becoming a friend of ours. We got to, I actually got to race with him this past weekend. Mm -hmm. The dude is fast. He is a beast. His background is uh, started off as playing soccer and that moved into becoming a pro mountain biker. And then that moved into becoming a pro Spartan racer. And now he's a firefighter. The dude's mm-hmm. a stud. Yeah. He's chasing after it. We got to have a really cool vulnerable conversation with him today where he talked about how um, expectations as an athlete can go unhealthy in the sense of if you're not careful for him, it turned into an eating disorder, which is something that we see often in the athletic world. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool that he brought us into that. And I'm stoked for you guys to hear just his story and his journey. Yeah. So let's jump in. Let's do it. Rylan, what's happening, man? Oh, you know, just same old, same old, just living life. Just living life. (laughs) So glad to be here with you today. We've got Stevie on the line with us too. Yeah, what's up, Ryan? Ryan. Ryan. Wow. I know oh, your name is good. Rylan. I don't know why I said Ryan. It's there's an L for all of our listeners. Rylan. How often did you get called Ryan growing up? All Was the it, time. All the time. Ryland, Riley, and Ryan. Like nice. all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like whenever Stevie goes to Starbucks, it's like S-T-E-V-I. That's how, how she spells her name, but people always put an E at the end of it. You know? Yeah, so. I think I've probably gotten a lot of missed emails for that. Anyways, it's, it's Rylan, good, Ryan. good to see you, man. Yeah, man. You had uh, an incredible weekend. We all kind of did. Uh, for those listening, uh, we got to, myself and Rylan got to compete in the first stop of the North American Elite Series for Spartan Races. And uh, it was really fun. It was a very fast, flat venue, uh, just raging speed, raging Mm -hmm. athletes of all different levels. Um, We had a fun time. You actually just got home from that, though, right? Uh, I did. I just got back yesterday at probably 11 11 p.m. Wow. So So nice little little road trip with the bros. Yeah, it was fun. It was like a... 12 and a half hour drive but wow yeah nice did you guys get to stop and get some food on the way yeah so i actually after the race i had a lot of stomach problems going on so i didn't eat anything that whole day besides i had some pringles after i was able to get some down but i literally had before the race a cup of granola and some beet juice yep and uh that was it for that whole day because after the race i had some fit aid and then my stomach like started cramping up and just like i don't know what was wrong i've never had it but i was like Mm -hmm. in the bathroom for a while and curled up in the bed until i fell asleep that day and then i woke up the next morning and felt better so 
I was hey. hungry. So I like had, we stopped at a gas station that had a restaurant in it. And I was like, how much for extra eggs? And they're like, <laughs> well, it's three bucks for four eggs. I was like, sweet. So I got like eggs, hash browns, four slices of bacon, four eggs. <laughs> and like, uh, like, uh, a chicken sandwich basically too. Oh, yeah. And then I had Chick-fil-A again later. And then, uh, and then I just had like, just you know random road trip food but yep that's yeah. what's up dude you know what? It, takes, it takes a lot to be an athlete to perform like that you know what i mean dude i <laughs> i have no shame in eating a whole entire pizza after something like that man so yeah. oh no but anyways, yeah, yeah. i, I want to get in i want to get into i have some questions or we have some a little bit of questions regarding this weekend but before we even get into that you weren't always a runner or an OCR obstacle course racing for those who don't know, but you weren't always a runner OCR athlete, right? You, you have a background in different athletics. You want to just kind of maybe share who you are with our listeners who maybe don't know you. And then how did you become the athlete you are today? What's, what's that journey like for you? Um, so I actually started running about two years ago was when I started to get into running. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a year ago was when I did my first Spartan, like elite race, Mm -hmm. um, in Arizona, almost a year ago, exactly in March. Really cool. Um, So March of like 2021. Was that Um, the Vegas, Arizona one? Yeah. The Mesquite one. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Gnarly. Can't believe I didn't meet you there, but I was like, honestly a deer in the headlights because the day one, they wouldn't let me race elite. So day one, I raced age group. So I won day one and then I found Benny Gifford walking around the venue after my race. And I was like, Hey man, I don't know who to talk to, but I won my age group today. Like I wasn't trying to flex on him or anything. I was just like, I want age group. I want to race elite tomorrow. You just raced elite. How do I get in? Yeah. (laughs) And he like took me to, uh, I think Robert who like is one of the guys at, at Spartan who's in charge of a lot and uh got me put into the elite heat for the next day yep and uh i ended up that was the first time i raced vj and the only other time besides this last weekend and he won and then kirk got second and i got third Nice. and uh that (laughs) was like what started it for me and i was like man maybe this is something that like god wants me to do because i kind of just started and it seems like i was kind of built for this in a way so i that's why i started racing yeah but that's really cool. So, you know, to have that aerobic fitness and that confidence, you know, like it had to start early on probably in your um, athletic career. So like, take us back to like, what, what were the early days of Rylan and like starting to discover that he's an athlete? Like where, where did it start for you? Uh, my earliest memory was riding a bike uh, and like without training wheels for the first time. Yep. My mom had been, my mom and dad had both been working with me to try and get me to ride without training wheels. I was about two or three years old. Oh my gosh. But I was about two or three years old. Um, and I was starting to get it. And I remember I think I was three at the time. I honestly don't remember, but it's like my, it is the earliest childhood memory I have is my dad driving in the driveway home from work as we're riding down the sidewalk and I'm riding without training wheels for the first time. And I like yell like, dad, dad, watch, I'm 
riding without training wheels, like just screaming at him as he pulls in the driveway and I'm coming down the sidewalk and I'm just so excited to see how proud he is of me. Um, and that's like the earliest memory I have. And it's like something that I think ties into later because after that, um, I started playing soccer at five Oh, cool. and I grew up in Nebraska until I was seven. So this mm -hmm. was all in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, a big thing for my mom was we always had to exercise at least 30 minutes a day. Okay. So she would take us to the park. Uh, we were homeschooled. So she would take us to the park or to the skate park or on a bike ride or a run or a walk at least like every day. Um, and then I got into soccer and my parents always taught me if you want to play the whole game, which I always did that you have to show the coach that you won't wear out. So like every, oh. they were big on showing the coach in practice that you were the fittest on the team yeah. so that you, they wouldn't pull you out of the game. Cause I wanted to play the whole game. That's just how I was wired. So, um, I, I started playing on like a competitive team at eight. Um, and soccer was pretty much my life. Like I took one season off to play football and try it out. Mm -hmm. Didn't like it. Uh, I tried baseball when I was eight as well and didn't like it. Um, I was a big snowboarder because I grew up, I moved to Utah at seven years old and started mm -hmm. snowboarding at eight and mm -hmm. absolutely loved it. And that was when like Sean White was big, yeah. uh, just starting. And also Seth Westcott was a big border cross guy. So I like started, that was my first like racing thing was I wanted to race border cross in the Olympics oh, when I was fun. like, nine, 10 years old. And then I was like, what if I could go to the Olympics in soccer and in snowboarding? So I was like <laughs> trying to figure out how I could do that. Um, I love that. so like as a little kid, I was just wired to just compete. Like I, out of all of my siblings, I have five other siblings. Like go. I am, I'm definitely the most competitive and like athletically driven, I would yep. say. And my parents would definitely agree with that. Um, I got that, that gene, the worst, I guess. Um, Where are you in that lineup of six kids? Second oldest. Oh, oh yeah, here, baby. Let's go, go, dude. Nice. No, yeah. Represent. You got, yes. you got that athletic. It's because you got to compete against with the, your, oldest the oldest sibling. one. Yeah, yep. And then you yeah. got to, but show you get to learn from the mistakes too. Yeah. You learn so from the You learn. See, like. Yeah. <laughs> what he's talking about right now it, it resonates okay I'm That's sure cool. it does. Yeah. yeah so yeah then soccer obviously fast twitch muscles endurance and then anywhere outside of california is higher elevation you know nebraska utah so you've got that going for you and then you're in the mountains snowboarding well, all the yeah, time yeah you got endurance from snowboarding too yeah right? so like works, and yeah. then there's also like this like need for speed like soccer you're sprinting and then yep. snowboarding you're flying down the mountain and then, um, did, uh, did mountain biking start to, when did mountain biking kind of, I think that was a part of your, uh, career as well. Right. Yeah. So I, I realized pretty quickly just in the town I was growing up in, there weren't very many border cross races. So I kind of dropped that as I got older, but I was focused on soccer and until about high school, I wanted to play professionally. And then once I got into high school and kind of realized that, uh, like through trying out for the Olympic development program and like oh, wow. uh, playing in varsity and stuff like that. There were a lot of talented kids 
and a lot of talented kids wanted to play professionally. And as I probably hit sophomore, junior year of high school, I realized I probably wasn't going to be playing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, I grew up in a town that was about a hundred thousand people lived in the Valley. Um, but a lot of it was predominantly like one religion and I wasn't a part of that religion. So sometimes Mm -hmm. as a kid, like I was, um, talked bad about, or like my family was considered weird because we weren't like everybody else or whatever. Sure. Um, so I, I started to develop like some trust issues and just like, didn't like playing with other kids as much Yeah. and boom, then I found mountain biking cross-country mountain biking which is where you race up and down in a loop and you usually do like three to seven loops depending on how long the loop is and how much elevation and everything and like you're wearing spandex it's very much a fitness sport but it's it's also extremely technical because the downhill you can save so much time Mm -hmm. so I got into that uh junior year of high school ended up liking it so much and I was so burnt out of soccer that I quit soccer didn't play senior year of high school which everyone was like dumbfounded because that was my life for so long Mm -hmm. and I was like I want to be a professional mountain biker and so I started uh racing and within a year I got my first sponsorship uh, from a bike company called KHS Yep. started racing for them because I couldn't afford a high level race bike. So my idea was if I can't afford it, I just need to get fast enough for someone to give me one. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and KHS was the first brand that like believed in me. Um, really cool. So that was, that was awesome. The next year, um, I just focused on that and ended up starting to compete nationally, uh, Wow. in cross country in the 17 to 18 year old category graduated okay. high school and then the next year i moved up to pro and did that for i think i raced professionally for three years mm-hmm. or 18 19 20 four years after that um but as i started to start to put pressure on myself to make money mountain biking and try and make that my living mm-hmm. uh, i was told at some point that if I wasn't below 160 pounds, I probably would never be competitive. And I was about six foot. I'm built a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was at the time I was around 165 to 170. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started trying to lose weight, tracked calories for a couple of years and just was constantly in a deficit, um, weighed myself multiple times a day, just like to make sure I was losing weight throughout the season. And, uh, I, I essentially just gave myself an eating disorder, um, and ended up having to step away from the sport in order to completely heal from that because I was so concerned about my power to weight ratio. When I uh, developed a binge eating disorder, I, I started gaining weight back because I was eating and I had no idea why I would just eat excessive amounts of food. And then I would not eat for a day. And then I would eat like 7,000 calories, 10,000 calories, just in one sitting. And I'm not even joking. It's like whole box of cereal and then like three crumbled cookies. And then like on top of that, then I'd have a PB and J like 30 minutes later. And then I'd have like a whole box of Mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. And like, it was, it was gnarly. Um, and I had no idea, like no one had ever talked to me about that as a male. I was so confused. So I was just like Googling, things like 
how to overcome binge eating disorder, like on Google all the time. Um, and like watching all the YouTube videos about it that I could. And basically what it came down to was I just cared so much about my weight Mm -hmm. that I tied up so much worse than that. When I saw it going up, I would starve myself and then I would need like, because so many foods were restricted in my mind, I would end up binging on them later because I would be like, Oh, this is the last time just constantly over and over. So Mm -hmm. I, I stopped it took a long time, about six months to a year for me to realize I needed to stop trying to do that professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was about the same time that I found OCR about two years ago. Um, right at, this is now we're about like 2020. Um, I just started working as a firefighter. So I had some new things to focus on Mm -hmm. and they, they did uh, this mile and a half running test. And I found (laughs) out, uh, the first time I did it, I think I did it in eight fifteen for a mile and a half, mm. which is like five thirty ish pace or something. And I was like, okay, that's not bad yeah. since I don't run. Like I hadn't run in years because bikers don't really run. Yeah. And yeah. so, <laughs> so I like I was so excited and I started training for running because it you can do because when I was struggling with the eating disorder, I could burn more calories running than biking yep. in a shorter amount of time. So that's actually why I started. And then I found out that there were these races where you didn't just have to like run on the road. You Mm -hmm. could run on the trails and then they would throw obstacles in there. And I was like, I'm kind of dragging people and putting on an air pack and hiking around with it. And the stuff that firefighters do, I was like, maybe I could be really good at this. Yeah. And like we, we do tire flips and stuff like that at work and very functional fitness type stuff. Yeah. So I decided to try and sign up. And then uh, COVID happened. So I had to wait a year. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of like mountain biked for fun. And I got into paragliding and speed flying. And then I got into rock climbing to work on my grip. Mm -hmm. And then I started working on my running. And between all that, um, I was, I think I was being pushed in a way by a force greater than myself to become something different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that's why when I showed up to Arizona that first time I was more ready because I had slowly through like injuries or, uh, mental struggles or job qualifications, like through all that, I had kind of been pushed into a different type of athlete that I never thought I would be. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got to OCR. Well, so, it's yeah. a very meaningful, wow. rich story. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it it just it just makes me look back and um, at your story because stories like that um, of overcoming and coming from so many different backgrounds of athleticism. Like when people show up to Spartan, there's the people that are like, "I've overcome this in my life." But like when you are an athlete that it has the ability and the desire to compete at that elite level. And you show up and it becomes the new way that you identify as an athlete. It has for me because I have basketball as my background. But for you, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a soccer player. I went after it in the um, you know mountain bike world. I've overcome this eating disorder. I had to be 160 pounds in order to complete and qualify this. And now you've got this new type of style of endurance where I can be strong and I can be big. Mm-hmm. And I can go after it. 
And I'm so okay with that. Like for you in your mental, you know, career, I'm going to call it mental career. How has this endurance and training helped you like to mentally like kind of affirm who you are now? Because like you can be strong and huge and big and fast and you're not like sitting there going, oh man, I need to be 160. So moving into this new arena of athleticism for you, what's kind of been like helpful and affirming to you and in your day-to-day training and stuff like that, like, or even showing up to certain races, if that question makes sense. I'm, it's still very much a work in progress, but I'm trying to learn that my value as a person isn't tied up in how I perform. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's honestly still a huge struggle for me. Like instantly after this last weekend, after feeling like I did not come away with what I wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. Granted, like I had some things leading up to that, that weren't ideal and I wasn't expecting anything Mm -hmm. crazy, but also after the race, when I had a clean race, but, and I still ran really fast for how much I have run. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still disappointed and I had to basically sit down uh, for a few hours, I was curled up on the bed anyways, because my stomach hurt <laughs> for some reason. And I was just like, ultimately, this this race does not matter to me and my value as a person. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it would give me more opportunities. Yes, it would. Uh, maybe I would have been able to bring uh, sponsors on board, or maybe I would have, I, I would have made more money or whatever it is. Like, Mm-hmm. maybe I would have had more recognition um things like that they they kind of poke my mind I'm like you should have performed better because you're representing like yourself you're representing your family blah 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 and mm-hmm. to remind myself that I would much rather be representing myself and my family and God and yeah who I am as a person through the way that I interact with people at the venue versus how I perform. Yes, my performance can be a representation of that, but also the way that I treat people and yep. the way that I love people is a much more important mm-hmm. aspect of that. Yeah. Um, so and, and that's a huge challenge for me because I'm 100% performance oriented and I'm super hard on myself when I don't mm-hmm. feel like I performed well. Yeah. Um, so learning that and then also... OCR has definitely helped a lot um, because the reason I thought I could do it was I saw guys like Hunter McIntyre, Ryan Kent, um, Isaiah Vidal. I saw them on the YouTube videos that I was watching about the sport. And I was like, those guys are probably about my size or bigger. And I could, I think I could be good at the sport because I can run pretty fast and I, I know I can work on that mm-hmm. and get faster and still maintain size and be able to do the strength stuff well. So maybe this is a sport that I can put a lot into without having to worry as much about losing weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was super proud that like this last weekend, I, I still get twinges of like, Hey, you should eat less. Like mm-hmm. the month before a race, like you should try and lose a little bit. Cause it's going to be a runner's course. Mm-hmm. And I knew this was going to be a runner's course for a few weeks leading up. And I honestly, some of the, the biggest uh, 
wins that I've had in the last month were just realizing that I'm to the point now where I can tell myself no. Wow. Like, Hey, like I'm going to fuel my body. And I, I've drank enough water today. I'm not dehydrated. I'm not hungry because of that. Mm -hmm. I'm putting quality nutrients in my body and I'm going to eat enough and listen to my body when it's hungry. And I'm not going to eat when I'm bored. Yep. And to be able to do that now compared to where I was a year and a half, two years ago is a really big win for me. So honestly, like that's, that's been the, one of the biggest encouragements for sure. Yeah. And you should be really proud of yourself. Like, yeah, that, that should be something that, you know, yeah. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you, you affirm the strength that you had because it's so a physical and mental thing. And it's easy to like, Oh, physically I did it, but mentally you did it. That's, that's something that um, as athletes, we need to tell ourselves way more often, you know, but I think that people listening right now, um, if I were to turn back to like, just the people that come into the channel here is like, I know there's people out there that deal with stuff that you've dealt with, Mm -hmm. um, as far as it relates to food and being the right weight. So, you know, if you were to encourage a guy or girl on this channel right now, like, um, who is on the fence or maybe way too far into it? Um, like what were the things that helped you kind of start moving out of that negative mental space and approach to food and eating? Like, what would you tell those people? Like, what were the things that helped you that you could help tell them? Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure how to speak the best to women on this side. Cause I know it's mm-hmm. probably a lot different because of there are uh, body image ideals that are forced on us in society on both sides. Right. I hundred percent think that <laughs> men like you look at, I mean, you even drive through Vegas and you can see on a billboard, there'll be a female that looks a certain way, but there'll also be some males that like have chiseled abs and like have a broad chest and broad shoulders or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely body ideals on both sides. Um, So I can't necessarily speak to the women, but I think finding the core cause of what is causing you to struggle with your eating disorder is step one Mm -hmm. after admitting that you do have one or, or at least, or at least, uh, thinking you could have one Mm -hmm. because I know uh, I don't want to get into the space of like, well, do I actually have one or are they just looking for attention? Because that is also something that could play in. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're truly like confused as to why you're eating the way that you are, uh, because I honestly, I just felt out of control. I had no idea why I was eating excessive inhumane amounts of food in one sitting and then starving for as long as I could and just being like, I'm not going to eat. It'll be better next time. And then doing that over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it took me, honestly, it took me a couple months to admit I even had a problem. I put on 20 pounds before I even admitted I had a problem. And that was in the span of like two months. I gained 20 pounds. Yeah. Um, and so admitting that there could like, there's something going on and then, mm-hmm. After that, why? So for me, it was because I was so focused on weight. I honestly didn't care that much at the time how I looked. It was purely the equation of how many watts could I put out in on a bike to how much I weighed to determine how quickly I would climb the mountain 
and then be able to just send back down in a race. Mm. It, I wanted to be skinny. I didn't want to look like some Jack dude. I wanted to be a certain weight in order mm. to perform. Yeah. So that was my issue. Yeah. Uh, I know for a lot of people, it could be, they don't look the way that they think they should. Mm-hmm. And that is, is also tricky uh, because that my, I morphed into that because I started idolizing cyclists that had small legs, which I've always had massive thighs and quads mm-hmm. um, and hamstrings and like, <laughs> but so it's like, it's, it's something that genetically I'm going to have, but I started looking at people who had like lean body mass all throughout their body. Mm-hmm. uh like very almost tour de france cyclist builds yeah. Um, yeah where they're just skinny everywhere because they've got to just bike up hills and i was like how can i get there and i wasn't losing body fat at that point i was losing i was trying to lose muscle mass purposefully mm-hmm. which if you can do that in a healthy way good for you but i i couldn't after about a year and a half of trying that which I, is a, I, would, I would say it's a majority for, for a lot of people. There are people that can helpfully do it, but there's a majority of people that it, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's a fine and line. And it should be a very slow process. And I was in about a thousand calorie caloric deficit per day, a lot of days, which is for way a, too much. For an endurance so, athlete, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was starting to have performances where I would race really well at one race. And then I'd show up to another race and feel completely flat. Like I had nothing. Yep. And that should have been the first sign. Uh, because I, when I first started every race that I went to, I felt great. Like I was an energizer bunny. I was like, I'm going to crush this. Cause I know I can push myself super hard that faded after a couple of years. And, uh, that should have been the first warning sign, but when your body fat gets so low, your hormones get out of whack. And I think that's what happened. And I had a few disappointing results after the national championships in like 2018, I think is when it was, Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe I think it was actually 2019. Um, and after that I just snapped. Like I just, I remember my first binge, like it was yesterday and it's like, Mm -hmm. so determining what is causing that is a huge mm-hmm. huge determining factor in like how you can solve it so mm-hmm. if it's yeah. body image um educating yourself on body image was a big thing that helped me because when i morphed into from like just being a certain weight to also wanting to look a certain way i had to that's when i really knew i had to step away from the sport because ultimately to me, since it was about body image and performance, I knew that I couldn't conquer it unless I allowed at least one of those to be taken away. I'm not saying it's impossible, but mm-hmm. I tried to race after that for about nine months. Yep. Um, and I never kicked it completely. Like mm-hmm. it, it did get better, but I was always still weighing myself and trying to be lighter for the next race. And I would still binge and ultimately I had to have a really honest conversation with myself where I was crying. Like I'll, I'll admit, like I cried when I realized that I had to give up mountain biking Mm -hmm. in order to hopefully go back to it later Mm. Yeah, because I was like, I have to step away from this and heal myself from this 
and not have the expectation of doing well at a certain race and racing well for my team or for my sponsors or whatever it is Mm -hmm. in order to be okay with eating certain foods and not binging on them. Cause basically I would restrict myself from high calorie foods, even though I needed the calories. And then I would get to the point where like, I just craved them so much. I would just binge and keep binging for no reason, even though at that time I was overly full. Um, well, so yeah, yeah. It it was very confusing. Yeah. And, and something we talk about in this series is as much as you have physical needs, we have mental needs. Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying is like, basically you, because of your mental needs and your approach to what food meant to you, you were willing to step away in order to take care of that mental need. And I think that for those listening right now, um, you're hearing it from a pro elite endurance athlete that like he had to step away from something he loves and is so passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's power to the audience right now is that you may involve, may be involved with something right now that you feel like you can't quit. But if it means that you need to step away for a little bit in order to adjust your mental approach to it, you've got to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like you're not going to go and walk around with, you know, a broken ankle and keep training on it like you're going to take it's a physical need mm-hmm. if there's a mental need then it needs time yeah you know and uh it's really encouraging hearing it from you because you took the time and here we are you know you're getting seventh or sixth or seventh sixth um six sixth place in a national series in north america um you know and you're healthier than can be strong you know but we all have to we all have to admit it i love what you said you have to admit it you have to know the reason why this is happening and you have to know the what and then i'm pretty sure that took like eight months for me to admit it Mm -hmm. like it it legit took me eight months to be like i should step away from this i should focus on that was the other reason um i was very distant spiritually from god uh, at that time so i had I didn't have the purpose in that and like being a child of God at that time. And then on top of that, I was starting to feel the pressure of like, I need to get into some sort of career. Um, So ultimately I shifted my focus to a career, which was firefighting for me. So that, that kind of took the place kind of like in Indiana Jones, where he's swapping out, (laughs) trying to swap out so that the temple doesn't crumble on him or whatever. That's essentially like, that's what I had to do. I didn't do it in the healthiest way because honestly, I would have avoided a lot of further struggles later in life if I would have swapped it with a God given purpose, but instead I swapped it with a career, which worked for the eating disorder. And I also moved to Ecuador for three months uh, Mm -hmm. after my firefighting academy before I started working. Mm -hmm. And that surrounded me with completely different foods. I was with my family for the first time in like over a year. Mm -hmm. Um, I had that support and I didn't have access to the foods that I was binging on. So Mm -hmm. that helped a ton because my diet completely changed when I moved there for three months mm-hmm. yeah. that that was huge in overcoming my binge eating disorder because I didn't have the options for my favorite 
foods that I binged on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. At least not very much. And then they never tasted the same if it yeah. was like peanut butter in South America does not taste the same. <laughs> in North America, okay. It's different. It's different. It's different. <laughs> Ketchup too. Oh, yeah, completely yeah. different. Oh yeah. yeah. So funny. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. You know, um, I think that people are probably feeling more encouraged and probably thinking about, you know, if, if they've ever had stuff around eating, but what would you say you have to look forward to? Um, what would you say people have to look forward to once they start getting real about this? Like when it comes to their performances and stuff or approaching big events or different things, when they are able to take the time enough to like realize that there's a mental problem behind this, there's a mental need behind this like when they start to take care of it what do they have to look forward to when it comes to performances that you've noticed like on the other side like on the other side yeah like what what would you say is like what do you have to look forward to if you take the time so on the the eating side I used to always think about what my next meal was and how many calories it would be and how much it would make me weigh all the time, even if I had just eaten, I was constantly consumed by the thought of what I would be eating next or what I would restrict myself from eating next. Mm -hmm. And that consumes so much mental space and energy and the shame, the disappointment, the confusion, all of that. If you take the time to heal yourself, Mm. that can go away. Like I, I don't, I don't have to be consumed by that anymore. And uh, I don't know how else to describe it. Like it's, it was such a confusing and weird time for me um, Mm. that I really have no idea like how else to describe just the freedom that that brings. If you can just step back from the sport that you're in, or, or maybe it's not the sport step back from sitting on a scale Um, or having someone measure your body fat percentage or whatever it is, because ultimately I stepped away and I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm not going to shoot a bunch of BS and say that my cycling performance was better because it wasn't like, I don't climb as fast as I used to, Mm -hmm. but I love riding my bike way more. Yeah. And I, I run way faster Mm -hmm. than I did. And I also am like, I never really think about my next meal unless it's something special where I'm like, oh, I want to make this for like me and my family or, or whatever it is, or I want to go somewhere special tonight. It's, yeah. it's not a consuming thought process. Yeah. I know what my body needs and I fuel it and it's not, it's not a, a painful thing anymore. So that's massive. Yeah. And then uh, I feel way healthier. Yeah. Like my, I used to get a ton more tendonitis when I was struggling with that. Oh, okay. That has, has gone down a ton. Um, Mm -hmm. I still get tendonitis here and there because I am a, I like to overtrain for (laughs) how much like muscle density I have and how strong my tendons are, especially hopping into running and like trying to run a certain weekly mileage without having the base can be tricky. So like just the better you fuel your body. I'm not saying like, go eat whatever you want because that's not good for your body either. But the limiting factor of like, I can't eat that because it's bad. 
that was what was making me eat more. Now I'm like, if I want an Oreo, I'll oh. have an Oreo, but but I'm not going to eat the whole package after telling myself I can't have one. Yeah. But yeah. now, like, I actually, today is my last day of a program called 75 Hard, which is the first eating challenge I've ever tried since my binge eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I got through all 75 days almost completely without eating uh, sweets, which I never would have challenged myself with a year ago because I knew mentally I wasn't in a place where I wouldn't end up binging after mm-hmm. but the whole 75 days. Like even if I messed up once and like had an Oreo or like had uh, I'm trying to think like a Danish or something that was laying around the station yeah. I never beat myself up about it. I was just like, we're still on the grind. We're going to do this for 75 days. And like, yep, that was okay. Like I didn't make myself go work out because of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't wow. kill myself over it and think about it. I was just like, that happened. I'm going to move on. And like, I do not crave sugar the same way I used to. And that's what I used to binge on was sugar. Yeah. And like to be able to complete like two and a half months of something like that is something that you can look forward to. Like you don't have to say, okay, I'm going to allow myself to eat these unhealthy foods because it's going to help me. And that it's just going to be that way forever. Like mm-hmm. you can heal yourself and you can have a healthy relationship with food. And then you can start focus on focusing on quality nutrients and fueling early so that you don't feel like you're in a deficit and then binge later if that's your issue. Like mm-hmm. for a while, I made myself eat a giant bowl of like oatmeal and fruit every morning just because it would take away my cravings the rest of the day. Good. Mm-hmm. Like finding out strategies for what work for you. And also like, I'm not a licensed therapist at all. Like I, this is just something I've experienced. So mm-hmm. if you're still struggling, maybe finding a nutritionist or a therapist or something to talk to and get mm-hmm. ideas from, because these are just my experiences. And yeah. like, since I was struggling with the starving myself and then binging, I made myself eat no matter what, even, even if I wasn't hungry early on. Now I'm to the point where I eat when my body feels hungry and I don't when it doesn't. Mm. And I'm so proud of that. And, and like listeners here, they can do that too. Yeah. It took me a year to get there. Like my whole, before I realized that I hadn't binged in a few months, it had been over a year mm-hmm. of the process of like, okay, I'd go a couple weeks without binging and then I'd have another episode. And then I'd go a couple more weeks and then I'd have another episode or I'd find something in Ecuador that I really liked and I'd binge on it. And then I would beat myself up about it. And then I'd go on a five hour bike ride the next day and eat like a banana Mm. because, because I was like, okay, like I brought my bike to Ecuador. And part of the reason was like, I have to burn calories somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't have to be like that. Like it's a slow journey depending on how far in the hole you are. But yep. stepping away from the sport with the potential of returning back to sport mm-hmm. in a healthier, more wholesome and energetic way will ultimately give you more happiness Yeah. because like you getting first place at world championships or national championships or at your local track meet or whatever it is, your local mountain bike race. Honestly, that's not going to be a memorable moment in your life when you die. Mm-hmm. If you have things like quality friendships, mm-hmm. quality family time, quality mm-hmm. relationships, 
things that you did to volunteer and help other people, like those yeah. things are going to take priority yeah. when you're sitting on your deathbed and you're like, what did I accomplish? Yeah. You're not going to remember that you ran a five, like a five flat mile or yeah. a 15 minute 5k, or that you could put out 400 Watts at 165 pounds yeah. for 12 minutes. Like that's something a cyclist would, would understand. Um, yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's not going to be what you remember it, it's not going to matter. So realizing that yes, sports are healthy, but your performance isn't everything about you. If you mm-hmm. heal your mind first and you heal your relationship with food, it can ultimately bring you back to either that sport or a different sport that you find that you love mm-hmm. in a way healthier manner. And it can be so much more fun. Yeah. Like I, I enjoy running so much more because I don't run because I'm trying to burn my food off. Yep. I just yeah. And I don't feel like crap because I just binged the night before yeah. a ton of sugar. Like I don't feel all ballooned up with inflammation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I feel good yeah. all the time almost. And besides like nagging injuries here and there, mm-hmm. like I love how I feel and how strong I feel. And that, that can be other people too. And yeah. I, it's a huge struggle. I'm not going to BS people like it sucks, but stepping away from a sport can sometimes be what heals you. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a process. Like you said, you know, uh, the easiest in layman's terms, you know, two steps forward, one step back is like not every, every single month or even half a year or two years, you know, like it's a journey and forward progression is progression. Even if it means that you have a down day or a down moment, Um, you know, like the whole saying Mm -hmm. of uh, a bad, a bad moment doesn't create a bad day. Um, You know, like learning how to um, learning how to be healthy around those failures yeah, is really important being gracious to yourself, um, in those moments, because ultimately, um, you're not failing, you're learning, you're learning something new about what you are capable of when it comes to having a mental outlook on those situations. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, um, obviously so much more to unpack there. You're a man of faith and, um, and we are too. And, and faith has a huge, uh, element and role in that yeah. uh, when it comes to experiencing that freedom and so um yeah man there's there's so much to unpack but um dude rylan we are so thankful for just being vulnerable and transparent about that yeah that was that was really really cool to just be able to sit in conversation with you and um just be honored with your vulnerability that was that was really cool and I think it's really good I don't think and I I know that eating disorders around athleticism is not uncommon Um, and I I hear it often from people who have struggled um, with their own form of whatever that may look like Um, and oftentimes it's you hear them say eating disorder is really big in mountain biking or eating disorders really big and climbing or fill in the blank. It's always, um, in some sort of sport. And I think as much as mental health and mental needs and mental performance is not talked about enough in sport, but it's starting to, I think it's the same with, um, how people eat and your health around, uh, nutrition and food as an athlete. I don't think it's talked about as much as it should, but I think, I think we're, on the dawn of a new era with with that as well. So for you to share your story is, 
I mean, there's power in the testimony it says. So yeah, I think that's really, really cool. And I think a lot of people will relate to that. So thank you for, yeah for letting us be a part of that. That was really cool. Yeah. You know, before, before we go, there's two things, Ryland, that I wanted to uh, hear from you. Shameless plug moment. Uh, <laughs> the first thing is I, I saw on your Instagram a little while ago, you made this breakfast parfait. What is the secret <laughs> behind this? Like the champion elite performance breakfast bowl because, i didn't see this no, i'm so he, interested to hear he about makes, this okay like speaking of food okay what is that because it looks healthy and it looks bomb okay what is it yeah so you lots of people call them acai bowls but yeah i don't always have acai in it yes um, but basically it's a smoothie bowl so you bend up blend up a thick smoothie so for me it's usually a banana always have a banana in your smoothie oh. yeah always. every time yeah. it makes a huge difference frozen so, too, if possible <laughs> i actually don't usually do frozen but Ooh. i usually really oh I, I it's don't know gonna change going the on, game but... go buy <laughs> yeah. a bunch of bananas and just freeze them peel off because <laughs> that'll be really hard to unpeel it if it's frozen yeah. it yeah. changes the game for the banana that can or for the smoothie okay, okay i have it. a bunch of overripe bananas that i need to use in smoothies so i'm gonna freeze them today okay. try that. so banana uh, because of my tendonitis and just like wanting to fight inflammation in my body, I am a huge berry advocate. So like blueberries, I usually use like a tri or quad berry blend, uh, which okay. is like blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, and sometimes pomegranate or some other anti-inflammatory berry in there. Okay. Um, so frozen. And then I put in either Greek yogurt or almond milk for kind mm-hmm. of that liquid thing for the blades to kind of start picking up. And then usually kale or spinach, um, beet powder, and sometimes collagen powder as well for tendonitis. Nice. And that's usually what it is. Um, it, it'll vary differently, like on what powders I put in or whatever. And then I just top it with granola, coconut flakes, chia seeds, flax seeds, whatever you want, basically like mm-hmm. chocolate chips. I had chocolate chips on mine this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yep. like, and you can put like other types of fruit on top, like mango or strawberry. And it's awesome because uh, sugar is different in fruit. It breaks yep. down differently. And on top of that, uh, your body likes to absorb fruit best on an empty stomach. So mm-hmm. if you eat fruit in the morning before you have coffee and before you like have eggs or whatever, it hits your stomach in a better way and it absorbs better. So if you have fruit first thing in the morning, which is when I always pretty much always have the smoothie bowl, it absorbs better. And it also with the berries and everything, it really helps with inflammation. And I just feel really good when I eat it. Ooh. So it's well, noted you guys, breakfast. You guys got to keep an eye out on, on Ryland's on the Ryland's Instagram because he posted every once in a while. And I'm always just like, man, I gotta, I gotta learn how to make this. So maybe we'll put the recipe in our, in our bio or something (laughs) like that. But, uh, so that's number one. And then number two, um, at the race this past weekend, you were repping a tattoo on your chest. Um, can you tell us more about what that was or what Uh, was that? It was, uh, so it's like, I don't know if I would call it as much a supplement. Uh, it's definitely in the supplement category, but yeah, it's called Shilajit. It's a new company. It's been around for a long time, but there's a new company that Hobie Call started uh, 
honestly, they're starting it right now. But basically what it is, is this mineral, these minerals that uh, aren't washed away by rain as well uh, that you find in the mountains in like a rock form, like a tarry mm-hmm. rock form. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of all the minerals and vitamins and everything in this rock, they they've found a way to purify it differently than other brands of that make shilajit that doesn't require them to burn it to purify it. So they don't burn as many of the minerals and all the good stuff in it, basically. And it's it's things that are kind of hard to find. Uh, in our diet sometimes. So Mm -hmm. I usually just take 10 to 15 drops every morning. I've done it for about a month and a half now. And I actually am not a huge supplement person. Like I only take turmeric with black pepper and shilajit and then sometimes collagen. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Those are the only, I don't take pre-workout. I don't take hardly anything besides those. And the reason I added this was just because uh, I've been struggling with sleep. And because of that, with my job, my hormones were getting out of whack and I was waking up a lot throughout the night and mm-hmm. um, I was desperate to find something. So I uh, started taking like CBD and I also started taking Shilajit and I've noticed like naturally my testosterone seems to have gone up. I think my cortisol is going down. I am sleeping through the night now, which is massive for recovery and performance Yeah, because waking up 10 or 10 to 15 times a night just to hit light sleep in between. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. So that's been amazing. And then also just the, the quality of the, the vitamins and minerals that you're getting, uh, if you're not getting them in your diet can be massive to help regulate the rest of the components of a healthy functioning body, like sleep and digestion and everything like muscle function, recovery, Absolutely. things like that. So, cool. yeah, wow. yeah, that's what it is. I like it. Okay. So yeah. for people to follow, both of those. So if people want to find out, you know, how to make those amazing breakfast <laughs> bowls and also how to follow Sheila G, what, uh, what would be the best way for them to be able to find you and find that? Uh, so I'll have to make a reel for like the smoothie bowls or something. I'm kind of like learning about reels, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. my Instagram, it's just at Ryland Shattig. Yep. And then for uh, the Sheila G company, it's at us shilaji and then also you can search uh, i think it's us shilaji.com okay uh, and it should pop up uh and yeah you should be able to find them on that as well i know they're just launching and uh they're trying to open up their amazon store but you should okay. be able to find it and order from their website really so. cool yeah cool. we'll, yeah, we'll and- leave the information too in our yeah, in our bio so for anyone listening you'll have access to both of those so Anyways, man, um, Rylan, uh, we are beyond thankful for having you today. Um, thanks for sharing and being so honest. Uh, we're here to uh, help athletes grow stronger, uh, both mentally and physically mm-hmm. uh, in their athletic performance. So I think that this is going to be encouraging to a lot of people. I'm encouraged from yeah, today. So it's a really cool conversation. Yeah, thanks for being on the show with us, man. You're welcome. It was a good time.